Good evening, primetime partiers. It's primetime party time. Welcome back to our hour of all things media and entertainment live on the air at 9 p.m. at ptptshow.com and on your time wherever you stream podcasts. Tonight, we are going to do another listener-inspired episode. We are going back in time and also real time to chat about made-for-TV movies. Think everything from Disney Channel original movies, Lifetime, to Hallmark, to any other channel that really used to create movies just for the cable audiences to watch. And then we're going to compare it to kind of how the streaming platforms has adapted this with Netflix original, HBO Max original, the list can go on. And fun enough for tonight, PTPT regular and production manager BMAC joins us to show, you know, a lot of the made-for-TV movies that he pitched for this very episode. So, Daniel, Brandon, do we have some toasts and roasts for this week? I am going to throw this immediately to Brandon. Welcome back. Because while I do have a toast and a roast this episode, uh, they will be revealed at a more appropriate moment within the episode. Uh, so Ooh, suspense. <laughs> we like it. Oh. But you too, please. Well, ahead. yes. I will start with my roast, which is a direct result of my toast, which which is I got to take a, have a little, and I mean a lot, of fun in the sun this weekend at the beach and at my friend's pool and which resulted in my roast which is a wicked sunburn i am sitting here in my room wrapped up in my comfiest robe because for some reason a sunburn leads to chills and i am a shivering mess of healing and aloe vera right now that apparently is a thing they call it the sunburn chills and really? Because oh. your body is trying to cool down <laughs> because the sunburn is actually making you warm. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah. And I I can confirm. The science adds up. Yeah, and I can confirm that your sunburn is pretty pretty <laughs> not not laughing <laughs> just because I'm also there. My roast is also a little literal roast that we did some really, our toast is that, did some really wholesome summer shit. Uh, went to the beach, did some pool time, went to a chili cook-off, which in hindsight, I don't know why they hosted in August. It's very hot food for hot weather. I did not partake in any chili consumption because I was like, it's too hot. Yeah, it seems like a fall this. thing. Yeah. Yeah, I consulted with a friend and she said the Portland chili cook-off is in January. I was like, that's when they should be. <laughs> that being said, it was very fun uh, street event. It was nice to just see people out doing something that's like very community-based and collaborative after a year of like not being able to do those sort of things. And uh, one of my friends asked me, she was like, did you go to like an Americanized Obon or something? And I was like, no, Obon is like Japanese summer festival. And I was like, I guess like kind of. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, it's not exactly like a uh, nice like day of remembrance slash dancing. I'm like, but there will be bands and food stands. So in that sense, it is very Matsuri slash festival oriented, but not the same. I will have to wait another summer for the proper Japanese summer festival times. It's still just didn't quite the one the local buddhist temple near me did not do a in-person event yet so 
will hold off for that. But yeah, my roast is that I am also roasted. I was able to survive one day with no sunburn and I was feeling pretty good. And I had a bit of hubris about the reapplication process <laughs> and, uh, and I got it. I got it good. So <laughs> I am also marinating in aloe vera as we speak, but also reminiscing on good times. So yeah, much so like how we will be reminiscing on the made for TV platform. So we will let Brandon take the mic just right after the break. All right, Brandon, do tell about made for TV movies and what they mean to you. Well, I when when I first got this assignment, I was very much going to come into this with made for TV movies are not my favorite. But the more I looked into it, I realized a lot of I like a lot of made for TV movies. I like a lot of Disney Channel original movies. I like uh, HBO original movies. I like I like this is something I discovered that I forgot I knew. I like Sarah T, a portrait of an American, of a teenage alcoholic. These yes. are all fun, sometimes weird things. And I like fun, weird things. I think back it up and tell us what is the uh, teenage alcohol story? And Wait, what... so you're telling me you didn't have a day in health, in high school health class where a mean health teacher sat you down and made you watch Sarah T, a portrait of a teenage alcoholic? No, I just had like the morning where we were ambushed and watched a bunch of like PowerPoint slides of body parts that had different diseases and rashes and were very much part of the like, you know, student health <laughs> presentation. <laughs> that was that was more our take. It was very much our biology teachers being like science uh, and health. And communicable diseases, don't get them. That was well, that was more their take. So please, tell us about this movie that we are less familiar with. Well, everyone, please sit back and imagine the year is 1975. Okay. On, on NBC, they released a movie called, Sincerity, a portrait of a teenage alcoholic, about a 15-year-old girl, Sarah T., who was having a hard time in school getting to know people. She auditioned for the, for the choir and she didn't make it because she was just so, so nervous. And, and then as, and then one day she happened to get invited to a party somehow. She had a couple of drinks here and there. You know, we've all been to parties. And she just uh, had a little social lubrication and just had a great time and was able to, land a spot on the choir team was making a lot of friends she was partying and as we were and and that's the first i would say 60 percent of the movie um and as you go on she slowly starts drinking more and more to an uncontrollable amount and i don't think they do as well of a job explaining it in the show but she does not seem too out of control 
they she, they show her dr- drunk and um disorderly a couple times, but overall, I think we've all seen people drunker who who are like, this seems fine. She was, yeah, yeah. It seems similar ish though. In this instance, there's like a book called Go Ask Alice that's like anonymous, la, 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 anonymously written. And it was about um, a girl who was like experimenting with like psychedelic drugs in the 70s. And then just like horrible and horrible things happened to her, except for I guess like that's the opposite. That one goes like the consequences are so extreme and they're supposed to drive, you know, the teenagers to like, don't end up like this girl. But yours, this movie is sounding more like she's kind of doing somewhat average moderate behavior. And everyone's like, it's so extreme and horrible. So I guess like moderate behavior for like a 20 something is very different than behavior for a high school student. So that is that. fair. But one of the, the bright spots of this movie is it's one of the co-stars is a very young Mark Hamill. And this is was 1975. Fun. So this is two years before Star Wars. And he is perfectly fine in the movie. He's he's fun. He. He doesn't, he uh, advances the narrative. And overall, this is like a okay movie. It is a very much dated because you could very much see how like, oh, they don't know how to dramatize real alcoholic problems mm. back in 1975, especially for a TV movie standing. Interesting. Yes. Yeah. It's fun seeing people get those, those really early <laughs> I mean, I guess that would have been somewhat around right before he was going to get big. I don't have the the Star Wars release dates to know if that was already a thing yet or if it was about to be soon. But it sounds like at least it would have been before he had a ton of acclaim. So I guess outside of that, what are your favorite Disney Channel original movies that you want to like look back on? I really like the high school musical series i haven't seen them in a while but i remember them being fun and they were like and i remember everyone in school making fun of them but i also think everyone in school also liking them and it being their secret shame everybody liked them there was no shame to it they're fantastic i mean number one is fun it's got a good soundtrack I always was wondering, you know, I, I look back on these and I kind of forget that these are with a, a, a host of peers, right, uh, that, that, that we'll talk about with these Disney movies. I was always kind of surprised these never made it to, uh, to, to theater. Now, you know, um, High School Musical 1's a classic of our generation, for sure. Um, and, and you should rewatch them. If you haven't seen them in a while, they, I, I think they hold up. I think they got some fantastic characters. I think number two is quite a bit better, uh, dare I say, and in, in fact, I didn't know we were going to get to this so early, but my toast this week is High School Musical 2. Uh, it's an amazing movie. It has franchise-defining moments, like Gotta Go My Own Way, I Don't Dance. Uh, what, what, what else is in that? Like, what, what's the title song? Like, You Are the Music of Me is not better, per se, than, uh, uh, what is it, Soren? Is Soren the song yeah. in the first one? Soren is the first one that's like the the big banger but when you got bet <laughs> on it and worked this out like you don't really need that that you don't need to make soren part two um no. i will say uh as much as i do adore high school musical 2 for every bit about it 
it is also my roast. One department of it is my roast. With all of that said, uh, you know, the lighting's not great. <laughs> Cinematography in that movie is the only department uh, that's just not quite on par with the rest of the movie. And it, it's such an amazing film. Uh, and, and I do truly mean that. High School Musical 2 is an amazing film. Uh, but if, the, if, 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 if there was shame from anyone, it's, it's because they were, you know, those baseball fields were not lit well by the end of that scene. Uh, and that's, that's really the only complaint there is about the first two. I, I think the third one did go to theaters, and I also don't remember being oh, as yeah. fond of it, so it's kind of nice that we don't have to group yeah. it uh, within these two. Uh, but yeah, High School Musical 1 and 2, I mean, th- those are some gold standard for some Disney movie uh, made for TV movies, I suppose. It's it's kind of wild that they were made for TV movies. Uh, I didn't watch the rest of these. Uh, so yeah, High School Musical, some of some of the other peers. Uh, I'm hearing in the chat that Halloween Town is by far the best. Oh, Halloween Town is quite oh, up there. Yes. Yeah. I think that's one where, well, oh, does Hocus Pocus fall into this category then as well? Or was, was that... Some- did that was go that to theaters? For Disney? Was that made for Disney? Did that air on television first? Was it produced for television? Hocus Pocus? Back chest now. Let's Hocus see. Pocus. It I believe it was in theaters. It just was always played on Disney Channel, but let's see if they have a box office. Yes, Close. it does have a box yep. office. Um, but right. to your point, so, sequel set for a 2022 release is currently in development as a Disney plus original film. So we can kind of get into that later, but Hocus Pocus, I'm not sure it counts in this case. No. So that's why I was thinking about it because I knew the buzz about the second one going to Disney channel. Well, Disney plus. So I was like, was this originally? Cause the reruns that's, I think where the Disney channel original movies get kind of murky. Cause they did also like play a lot of movies on the channel that were in theaters, but maybe they kind of just got a lot of syndication on there, but they did make a pretty big deal. I remember there was a small logo in the corner for like the Disney channel original movies and they would call them DCOMs. So, but yeah, Halloween town is pretty great. I think the only thing in that series that I was upset about is when they do like a fourth one and they recast Marnie and you're like, you can't just like recast the main character. It's, it's it doesn't work super well but yeah I think the high school musical ones really show the growth because the ones before and we'll get into them are really great but these are ones where like it launched a lot of careers like Zach Efron that's his kind of big break and then even Vanessa Ann Hudgens did a lot after that too and Ashley Tisdale so I don't. I don't know a ton about what she's done since, but Ashley Tisdale. I I see her in the trades her in here things. and again. I mean, she's Candace on Phineas and Ferb. Like that's a pretty that's amazing right. role. Yes, that was a great role. So yeah, they all they all seem to have gotten into into things, and it's also fun seeing. Like I think one of the characters, I forget, he has blonde short hair, but I know he was like like a small character on Veronica Mars for one episode. Wait, Ryan. Ryan, yeah. Ryan was on something. Yeah, he what? was on Veronica Mars. He would play a. He was on an episode where they were like, there was like the 
gay community at the high school that um, some bully was trying to like out people through this like MySpace like software. And he was one of the people somewhat like targeted. And yeah, it was a, huh. yeah, that was, that was one where I looked back and I was like, I we, recognize you. I wonder if we talked about that on a Veronica Mars episode. Um, it <laughs> sounds vaguely familiar. I don't know if we did because also the girl from Laguna Beach was on that episode. So I probably talked about that. But yeah, there was there, I mean, Veronica Mars is known for a lot of like gem guest stars that end up getting bigger roles. So that's just one of them where I was like, I recall. <laughs> Corbin Blue, I think, also starred in a bunch of Disney yeah. Channel original movies. I, I, I want to fit him in because, fun fact about made-for-TV movies, yes. Corbin Blue starred on this little show that never gets talked about called Flight 29 Down, which was like a Ooh. teenage version of Lost. Interesting. That's um, <laughs> exactly. It was on Discovery Kids or, or whatever that channel was. Um, and just fun fact, Lost being the amazing, you know, success of a series it is, was developed by ABC, you know, by, by Disney, um, with in mind that if it were to fail and never go to series, that it could just be a made for TV movie. Um, so, so funny that that always, that also goes down and, and I don't know if we're talking about careers of high school musical stars, I don't know what Corbin Blue's up to now, but, but he was definitely a lead on, on this, on this series shortly thereafter is his tenure. Definitely. I just recall my middle school locker room just being the echoes of everyone singing every one of the songs from the first movie. Just that was it was just as much as like some people might have said it, it was like a guilty pleasure. I was like, frankly, where I was, it was very out in the open. Everyone's like, we are all obsessed. <laughs> yeah, it was <laughs> with this soundtrack so. of my carpool for sure for at least a year. For at least a year. But going back to like some of the older ones like Halloween Town, there's ones like Smart House, which seem a little bit too real now with things like the Nest app <laughs> and other things. You'll never have exactly the counter that just like swallows the mess, but wouldn't we love it? Um, but there's it's basically just kind of foreseeing that your house could do basically like the series and the Alexas would just like manage the whole household. And then there's Cadet Kelly, which had Hillary Duff younger, and as well as the girl, can't name the actress that played um, on Even Stevens, the older sister, Wren. So she was on there as the drill captain. And it's, you know, a kind of more girly girl, or I don't know if, I don't know if that's the right terminology, but she was definitely not the stereotypical casting for a military school and then she kind of sees all of the uh the kind of good like uh, morals that you learn from that because her dad's like a high up in the military so that one's very funny um <laughs> it's heartwarming as well and then there's xenon obviously which is the pretty great one where it's just about which also kind of hitting the <laughs> regular news now of you know people which you gotta think it's probably some well-to-do people living off in space and then her whole thing is wanting to go see earth and follow a pop star and it's kind of funny because it's almost that like little mermaid concept but like with space and earth and i think the other one i'll 
other couple I'd bring up and see how you guys feel about them would also be Johnny Tsunami, which I really liked about, you know, guy who used to be all into the surfing, going into the snowboarding. And then uh, Brink. Brink is one where I still enjoy watching it, but when he betrays his community to not be a soul skater and skate for cash. It's cringy to watch, but then later you're kind of like, why are your friends mad that you're getting a sponsorship? <laughs> Shouldn't they support you? It makes it and everybody's all bitter. Is that what that are movie they is? Bad I, always, friends? I heard about Brink. I never got to see it and I only saw you commercials for Johnny Brink? Tsunami 2 back on board. Yeah. No, I never watched Brink. You are naming all the ones that I've never watched. That is really interesting because yeah, those like, are the ones I treasured. Like, bring up maybe my mom has a date with a vampire. Oh. I can talk about that for hours. Well, I yeah. have seen that one, so do tell. It is. It was just so fun to see the Aunt Hilda from yeah. Sabrina the Teenage Witch play a mom, and and I also and I also thought like even as like a kid in like 2020, so that means I was seven. I've realized that like, oh, Van, the actor who plays Van Helsing is very short, which is like a brave casting choice. <laughs> At the time, like, I know I knew something in a seven-year-old Brandon just knew this is not what I usually see on TV. But like, it works. No, that's good. <laughs> that is good. And it's also like, it's a very like campy, lighthearted take on the like vampire talk topic it's not like a dracula movie where she's being like lured away it's kind of like the kid's upset that his mom is dating and it's like it's a monster it's almost kind of like you know a like really like exaggerated view from a kid's perspective of they're not wanting to see their mom go out and date so the everyone who comes in is like a monster so you're like metaphor perhaps mm-hmm. uh what and the did, issue was oh, one yeah. of the thing is that like when he met the kids, he was good with the kids, the the, the vampire. I was like, this vampire is pretty cool. <laughs> I know they don't really paint him as like a bad vampire in the beginning. A lot of shows don't really paint vampires as a, as the bad guys nowadays. No, they, they it's kind of like don't we want to be the vampires? It's like we might want to be the vampires. That's that's how a lot of these these end up going did you watch the color of friendship no ah that was another one that i remember mostly that one was it was honestly much more dramatic and it was about apartheid and this family being a host family from a girl from south africa and she was kind of like going through what other people would have been going through during civil rights type thing and she stays with like an african-american family and they're kind of doing this like cross-cultural exchange and like it ends with the girls like protesting together like in the states i think for for that and it's a very like kind of like if you're looking at a lot of disney movies that are more like fantastical and painting things better than they are this is the one that's you know, cuts a little different from that and is more of a spotlight and like human interest on historical, you know, points and how they would act in like a small family, kind of just like showing like 
how this and it's also they call it the color of friendship because it's kind of showing like how they learned from each other's perspectives it was very like emotional I remember watching that and being like oh my gosh this is like one of the first dramas I've ever seen (laughs) because I was a child so that's one that's cool but I know another thing we wanted to chat about were how some of these made for tv movies spawned off either into like you know or they served as the continuation of a series even if that movie lived not on tv but on one of our streaming platforms. So yeah, what are some of the ones that you wanted to discuss tonight? I really like the first one that comes to mind is the is the um, movie finale for the Netflix show I can never say it. Sense8. Sense8. Yeah. Yes, for those of you who haven't seen it, it is phenomenal. Just the, just the plot tracking in the production is excellent because a lot of these uh, scenes are taking place um, at the exact same time, and the characters are appearing in. Characters are having out of body experiences in one location, and and then have to appear in another location across the world as like a, as like an apparition, and it is wildly well done um directed by the brothers who did um the matrix who are now sisters and it is a phenomenal show and they were supposed to get a third season but uh, netflix didn't greenlight it but instead they gave them a a movie which 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 runs into the issue of like trying to fit a, a full season of plots into a movie yeah but it was it came out as a fairly clean ending, you could see how like you could have you could have definitely stretched this plot out a couple more hours, but that is no longer a movie. Yeah, but it is, is an excellent show with an excellent TV quote unquote TV movie. Yeah, there is some shows seem to have done that as well. I know recently, and I brought it up I think in a few episodes prior, but that's how the Sailor Moon Crystal series did, where they had season one season two and then and season three and then instead of doing season four they did two like about the less than two hour movies and weirdly I don't I wasn't a huge fan of the actual crystal series but I actually think they did the movie part well because it was just like trimming it down and then doing like higher animation still not like as my as much of my favorite as the original series but I think that's you're starting to see people take options like okay if we're not seeing enough people watch the episodes maybe we do it in a movie format and just kind of condense down some other like fun filler episodes into the movie Daniel do you can you think of and I think I kind of can feel what you would suggest as a good continuation movie of a tv series which is you know both on topic maybe a little adjacent to made for tv movies no i i yeah i think that made for tv movies is a really broad topic um it yeah and and i think that like continuations of series and and fitting it into a greater ip is a good way to to do it and allocate those resources that would otherwise 
go to a different made-for-TV movie, probably. Um, I, I, I recall, I think the first example I ever noticed of this was probably Prison Break. Um, oh, yeah. I don't really recall Prison Break super well um, the fourth season, so if anyone does, um, <laughs> feel free either. to jump in. I, I very much I remember... I can tell you all about it. It well, had there you go. A season, it had a series finale in which they brought back most of the original season one cast and even one that they had kind of killed off. And it felt like a series finale, but then there was a gap in like the last 10 minutes of the series finale that they crammed a movie into, I want to say. And then the series just ended up going on after that. And it might've rebooted with like prison break for kids or something. I have no idea what that franchise is doing, but my understanding is that the made for TV movie exists within the like end of the series finale, like between the last two commercial breaks. Am I right on that, Brandon? Uh, not really. I believe the series ends with um, spoiler alert for who those who don't want to know how the how Prison Break ends. Ben Long with you, <laughs> it's it's it, it ended ten years ago. You had time. You did um, with Michael dying, but the movie undoes that. Oh, I thought the movie showed Ooh. you how he died. Oh. oh wait, no. Yes, you're right. There is a. I'm thinking about the reboot series, which undoes. <laughs> The, <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah yeah there's that too yes but, no because what, what a confusing mess i i am in full agreement with daniel you brought me around yeah I, that's how i remember it is like it, it ends a happy ending and then there's a commercial break and then like they go to his gravesite and you have to watch a movie about how he electrocutes himself or something i that's how i remember it um so yeah that was that was kind of the first example um some, something that i always liked as well that was somewhat around the same time is that during the writer's strike, uh, 24 had to figure out what it was going to do. It wasn't like all these other shows that where it could have like a shortened season. They had basically produced yeah. eight episodes of season seven. They decided to push season seven back an entire year. So we didn't get the show for a solid 18 months. Before they brought season seven back, they actually made a made-for-TV prequel movie that for the first mm -hmm. time in the series' history allowed a lot of things that would come up late season. The way that 24 works is that it'll kind of give you a rolling story where you get the first kind of third of the series is based off of one villain and one threat. And then you kind of move to like the middle tier and then then you just kind of make your way up the management chain. And for the first time, and really I think the show's history at that point with without reveals, we had seen a lot of like what was behind the day's events very early on. Um, and it was kind of cool that it was sort of like a made-for-TV special uh, in that way, in the way that like made-for-TV specials are. Those are kind of the two major examples I can think of. Yeah, I think that's true. I think the other ones that I would say are like, how do we frame, and I'm, I'm going to say more in a compare and contrasty way, so made for TV movies, they have this sense of nostalgia and some of them like High School Musical seem to be having a much higher production value than say the very first Disney Channel original movies. Like <laughs> if you're thinking of the like the 13th year where the boy kind of eventually figures out he's turning into a mermaid and, <laughs> and he's, it's kind of like a metaphor for puberty. They actually do some good effects in that. But if you compare that say with now the Netflix original movies it's kind of on a different story that being said 
there's a range on a lot of these made for streaming movies as well in terms of quality. Like there's ones like Enola Holmes where it's so incredible, but they also kind of recast like it's a continuation of the Sherlock Holmes series, but it also has like Henry Cavill playing Sherlock Holmes instead of any of the other <laughs> actors who've played him before. And then there's one of my favorites is the To All the Boys I Loved Before series on Netflix. That is a trilogy of three movies, but they do kind of hit you in that like teen movie aspect and they're beautifully shot. Like I think the cinematography is great, but I know like a critique that a friend of the show Sean has is that he feels that the male love interested interest is written kind of flat because it really is kind of more to be about the main character and you know that's and in some senses it's kind of like I see that as pretty natural balance that you see on screen but then to his credit it's like there are there are things that you see in a lot of these like made for tv and made for streaming movies where you're like this is not the same as a as a blockbuster in that sense even though you can argue that some of these become streaming blockbusters and I love that series just because it's very heartwarming it's it's showing like a lot of like just kind of playing off of those sort of like 80s like high school romance movies and the character actually is really obsessed with romance movies and then she's in a romance movie so it is it is very meta and that in that sense and yeah they all of the characters are very well cast and not as familiar of faces except for the dad who I really can't place his name as an actor but he was Aiden on Sex in the City and he's been in a bunch of other things but now in the Sex in the City episode <laughs> I know we will be getting to the Darren Darren Star <laughs> episode in the coming weeks and then you guys will all know what I'm talking about um but yeah that's that's one where I think it really hits a lot of notes she's also like half Korean and they go through like both her cultural kind of experience as well as like the loss of her mother and she's doing all this in high school while also you know dealing with regular high schoolers drama but in the digital age and then it's like it ends with her like going to college and like you know also spoiler alert but this movie has been out for I think at least a year so you you should stream it and if not just mute (laughs) but but you know they both don't get into the same college like they there's an element of like realism that I do really like it's high school musical all over again in this one yeah (laughs) yeah I think there are some similarities between those two movies because they do a good job of being like you know teenage romances tend to be a little like off and on because people are young and they don't really know what they're doing or what they want yet and then they're kind of developing kind of the soft directions they want to go in and it's the is this also going to be the direction you're going to go in and in the sense of this movie it's like they they play it up as like oh you know they make she's going off into it thinking like we'll make long distance work and all of these things that you know we've worked towards are going to pay off later but that's one where you also watch it as an older (laughs) adult and go like I'm not sure, girl. (laughs) You'll have to see for yourself. But, you know, that's I think that is the beauty of a lot of these is they are almost like these 
these made for TV and made for streaming movies do seem to have like a pattern of being more like a human interest piece and less like of this big, you know, cinematic effect or like trying to, it does not have that hit of like, this person's trying to make tons and tons of money off of this movie, even if they do. It's just like, you don't get that same kind of slap in the face as you do when you watch like, say like a Marvel movie or something like this, where it's like, yes, it's very creative and there's good storytelling, but you're also getting the like, oh my gosh, look at how much they've really like invested in this movie and how much they're kind of <laughs> expecting to receive. And these are a little bit more like, it's just like, it's almost how I'd think of a short story is what I think like a lot of these movies fall into the category instead of being like a full out book. They're, they're more like these really, you know, they hone in on a certain topic and they get really into it, but just like a little bit less than a TV show would where they have many, many episodes to flush it out. Oh, it's interesting that you mentioned that because a lot of what you're describing makes me think of like TV limited series, which it makes me immediately think of my favorite thing I think I've ever watched on TV is Tr- okay. is the Chernobyl series, which okay. is absolutely excellent because it is, it's a, for those who don't know, it's a uh, TV five episode series telling about the, the Chernobyl d- d- disaster. And it is basically a it's basically like a horror suspense movie because and the horror elements just come from just the human behavior of it nothing really scary happens but except how people are behaving in in a disaster and how they're trying to cover for themselves and they're really taking their time really trying to give the story as much air as it needs to really tell what it wants to say and I think TV movies more and more recently have like skewed away from um, like the low budget. Let's just get let's just get something new out there so that we could like have a new ad revenue stream. And they've gone into like, let's do prestige TV in a TV movie format. Oh, man, I don't even know where to start. <laughs> um, yeah. I, I agree with that. Um, all right, let's start with this comment in the chat. MJ says, I wonder if certain TV movies were more iconic back in the day versus now because it was more of a scheduled event. You had to make sure you didn't miss it, especially if you didn't have DVR. When today's day and age, you can just stream it. Now, says a lot right there. Does harken back does. to when you would need to fill like decent ad space with a good made-for-TV movie uh, when when you didn't have a strong episode of a series, maybe. And it does sort of ask this question of, yeah, how how do made-for-TV movies exist in the landscape like, like you two have both really described? I want to take this all the way back to, like, the only examples of pure made-for-TV mo- movies that I actually know, and those are Michael Mann movies. Michael Mann is my favorite film director, and he's always sort of credited with this 1981 movie, Thief, uh, with James Caan as being his debut feature. When <laughs> this episode came up for us, I found out, or I found out recently, his first movie happened two years prior. It is a made-for-TV film called Jericho Mile. Uh, and not only that, 
my favorite movie, one of my favorite movies, Heat, started as a TV movie in the 80s. No way. Uh, no way. Yes. It is. It's called L.A. Takedown. If you've never seen it before, honestly, it feels like a, a, a professional student film version of Heat, even though it's the same director. Uh, it does not have the sets. It does not have the location. It does not have the talent. It doesn't have like De Niro and Pacino, obviously. Uh, it is a very simplified story. Instead of being three hours, it is set right there for that two-hour block of programming. Uh, it's very crude, and it's kind of wonderful all in the same way because it is heat, but it's heat without everything that makes heat heat in terms of its style and its devices as a film. Uh, but scene by scene, the the famous diner scene, the, the two sides of the coin scene, it is pretty much exactly the same in LA Takedown wow. as it is in Heat. And it's really interesting seeing these, you know, like not Al Pacino, not Robert De Niro playing this scene that is a very iconic scene. Now, <laughs> yeah. oh, sorry. No, go ahead. Now that, that is very much, you know, uh, somewhat brilliant um and and somewhat great that that and that that movie ends up being you know the the hit movie heat you know not a decade later uh and it is funny it's funny how how sort of like narratively more simple it is uh even the ending's different the ending says something very different uh than than heat does and and i feel like that that might be michael mann you know getting that redo getting you know the bigger stage and and telling the story again in, in the best way that he possibly could now, let's move forward to streaming, uh, because in the time that he or that that LA Takedown became Heat, and then we got HBO, and then we get these limited series, you know, Band of Brothers, John Adams, we're leading up to Chernobyl, uh, and you know we're getting uh, well. Let's throw The Sopranos in there as a long form series. Let's throw long form series as becoming more serialized, as allowing for TV to become more cinematic. That was that big story we were being fed like the whole time we were growing up, right? Like all the mid-thousands and stuff, the golden age of television. You know, all of a sudden, all of these big like A-list actors are flocking to television, you know? Not everybody's doing movies anymore. Um, and then now, now we have streaming. And, and I, I feel like now, more than ever, I understand why Netflix fought so hard to get Beasts of No Nation in the awards back in like 2014. It was this Idris Elba movie. And I feel like if they hadn't have done that, if they hadn't have chosen a movie early on to do that with, uh, it Netflix movies would be regarded as made-for-TV movies up until the next time they have something up for that fight. That's a good point, because then after that, they are able to show kind of more of a back-end thing like the marketing numbers, the streaming, and to other people who want to get kind of more of a direct-to-consumer audience. They're able to just like really trap people that way and then kind of advertise to other people who are trying to pitch their movies out there of like, you could do this sort of release as well. So I think that's a really, it's a really good point. And I'm looking at... Uh, MJ's in the chat is referring to what Brandon was mentioning, especially since the pandemic and people not going to physical movie theaters anymore. I think we almost expected the industry to deliver high quality, high budget movies to us at home. And I think that is a little bit true. There is, there does seem to be some 
pivoting to do the stream on apps like I've seen we've seen with like HBO Max where you can stream a actually in theater movie for like a limited amount of time. Yeah. If you are a subscriber. That's interesting. And that goes back to uh, MJ's earlier point is does it like which one doesn't exist anymore? Like the the choice is there. Like as, as far as it goes, HBO's entire slate this year are weirdly like made for TV movies in the traditional definition sense that they they were in the seventies and the eighties with those examples doesn't exist anymore. Um, but yeah, they're they're very much uh, totally the same format, the same viewing experience that you would a made for TV movie at this time. I don't know if the general public would expect to go back to that or at least give a TV movie the same viewership if it was a lower budget in the future. At least give TV uh, movie the I same viewership. I see that viewership. too because we've grown up to mm. expect a certain level for the made for streaming movies. It's like you might not be as enthused by the same level you got in the kind of starting point of made for TV movies, which I think is kind of true. There is a little bit of like a kitschy kind of nostalgic I think affection for say like Hallmark movies where like you know what you're getting into but they're kind of they fall into that guilty pleasure thing of like (laughs) you know of like being kind of like a beach read as a film Wilkie you know as as far as Hallmark movies go on the 12th day to Christmas last year was a pretty good movie not gonna lie that was a good holiday movie love a December evening that is full of watching (laughs) each Hallmark movie and seeing people from like old sitcoms that are like kind of like trying to get back out there in a Hallmark movie, you got like some like mold spice wine and you're just eating Christmas cookies and watching <laughs> these back to back and kind of going like, so what's the plot of this one? All right. Oh, are they going to go chase them at the airport? I think they are. <laughs> there's a, but every there's once a, in a while, there's ones that shock you. So it's, it's fun to see the mixed bag. There's a very big chance that I've never seen a Hallmark movie, but I feel like I, I could imagine one in my head. And if I and if I were to name things, I'd be like, a sleepy Vermont town. Oh yeah. Oh, a career woman who has never had time for love. She's wearing green. Mm-hmm. He's wearing red. You guys yeah. have seen the they like bump the poster. into each other. Yeah. Exactly. Uh, like a working class Joe who may or may not be Santa's son. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. There, a there gazebo, like maybe that. two, and a town that needs like a, a like a new direction that her career happens to be perfect for. It's these are all themes that come up in Hallmark <laughs> movies. They are predictable, and yet in that way they are a sense of comfort. But yeah, I think there's a good point that MJ makes as well. Is this whole and you know it's a part of our actual show concept is that captive audience situation where like you know the disney channel original movies would definitely get replayed but there's a lot of people who would make that time to watch you know high school musicals when they came out when it was that friday at 8 p.m and you were like in front of the tv if you were able to i'm gonna say this and I might have said it on this show this year already. It, it felt like a, a, a really deep betrayal uh, when I saw this this year. I was hanging out with my little cousins, and we were watching, I think, Cartoon Network. Yeah. And they gave a promo for the Lego Movie 2. And they sold it like it was 
brand new, airing on Cartoon Network. It had never been seen before. It was a premiere. They had just made this thing. And I'm. Oh, it takes everything in me to not turn to my three-year-old cousin and say, can you believe this shit? Uh, they are lying to they're, you. Yeah, so, <laughs> you know, they're, they're just, maybe we're more susceptible to their marketing. It, 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 the question is, is like, how many Fridays did they air these things? You know, where was it really oh, an event? Fridays. It was probably an event. Yeah. Uh, it, it was probably an event. I, I do remember, like I said, I never got into them. I do remember some friends being very excited for Johnny Tsunami 2 back on board. I'm pretty sure they knew what day that was airing. Yeah. But there was the comfort, at least with those, that they'd air it. And then they probably put a few shows in between and then they'd air it again. And then they'd air it again. <laughs> you weren't afraid you'd miss it, but sometimes you wanted to be in the first crop of people watching it. So I think that's right. that's more of it. It's more of the personal excitement than it is anything else. But do we have any more final thoughts on made for TV movies? Not thoughts this end, just confusion. I don't really know what one is anymore. Uh, yeah, <laughs> that's okay. It's, that's that's, that's TV that's and movies okay. now, right? Brandon, what do you think? <laughs> I, I stand by where I, where I came in. I love TV movies. I think so. I think if there's anything we've learned in this conversation, it's that made-for-TV movies have a special place in our hearts and hopefully in your own personal primetime queue. Where is my sheet? I, do, I have a sheet for this. Did you know? Did you guys know the episode's ending? Because that's it for primetime party time. Thank you for joining us. This show could not have been made without the following amazing people. We're talking our artwork. It was done by Fen. Find her at Fen Latte on Instagram. Our theme song was done by Jay Wright. Find him at jwrightmusic.com. Website with thanks to Coco. Production manager was BMAC. Also, we had a guest star tonight. BMAC was with us. Uh, thanks for coming on. Yeah, I, I had a great time. And thank, thank you. you, MJ, for being in the chat tonight. Uh, and yeah, find episodes of Primetime Party Time on Apple, Spotify, wherever you like to listen to your podcast. If you want to rant, roast, and or rave with us, you can do that. You can hit us up by sending us an email at info at ptptshow.com via our voicemail or chat box, both on the ptptshow.com homepage. And you can catch the next Primetime Party Time next Monday, live at 9 p.m. Pacific, right here on ptptshow.com. Dot com. Uh, I do. We, should we get a more fun email? I don't know. Uh, you know what? Info? Info? Yeah. Maybe we'll spice it up. guest star like bmax not a series regular i I have no idea how to credit anyone on this show (laughs) it's okay people star and they also do things behind the scenes oh